Nation. How are you doing today? It's another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geek Alliance. Yeah, see like how I got all cheery and crazy at the end there? Uh, I hope you guys are having a good week so far. Uh, we're going to break down the latest and greatest in wrestling, if you will, uh, with the last pay-per-view and the uh, last two shows, and uh, just talk about some wrestling. And um, Well, we got a guest, but... Uh, Apparently, he's running behind. I don't know. I talked to him earlier. His name's Hoax. I've known the guy since high school. Don't really know a lot about him. Um, he's a wrestler, though. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's told me several different things. Uh, that He was at a cemetery at one point and at an amusement park. So we'll, we'll find out. He's going to call in soon. But until then, let me introduce my co-host. What is up, Chris? How are you doing, man? Christopher Patton. Oh, sorry, I'm doing good, man. Hey, Geek Nation. How's it going, man? I'm doing good, other than you trying to shut me down. Why don't you go yeah, ahead and like, pull the shovel out, Triple H? <laughs> well, you know what? I, uh, I need a shovel and, uh, and a Band-Aid. Oh, my God. It hurts my voice so bad to do that. Ugh. I wonder if it's the same way <laughs> to be like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. It is pretty funny. <laughs> Let's see if I can do Stone Cold Steve Austin right. God damn it, brother! No, I can't do it. Okay, anyways. Um, yeah, man, uh, you know, I was talking about it in the intro. Uh, I don't, It's kind of lackluster uh, pay-per-view, and um, we'll, we'll get into that as well as Raw and SmackDown. Uh, but, you know, whether it was uh, good is up for debate. But um, let's talk about some wrestling, man. Just go back and forth. Uh, you know, what, what, what's up with you? What, what are you doing? You know what? You know what was good that happened on what Monday. Was that? Okada what was versus that? Tiger Mask W. See, <laughs> I still haven't seen the fucking matches. Go into that a little <laughs> bit and, and and just tell me exactly how you thought about it. Break down a little bit. Uh, dude, it was a good event. I had to catch it on uh, Tuesday because my ass ended staying up until like three in the morning watching wrestling, even though Absolutely. I love wrestling. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Okada Tiger Mask, uh, they have protected the Rainmaker so well. That move is so great for being a short arm clothesline. It's it's amazing. And uh, the undercard was pretty good too. The uh, man, I think uh, I think Jack Evans had a match at some point. It was it was good. I had to watch the recap on New Japan's website, so. It was a little weird, a little broken up as opposed to the full stream of the show. But if you get a chance, definitely go check it out. Spent a whole lot of time on it. But, uh, yeah, for sure. It's good stuff. Okada's slowly becoming one of my top, like, ten wrestlers, <laughs> which is crazy. I love it. It's been around for a long time. But, you know, Kenny Omega I knew about from, uh, you know, fighting game tournaments and all of his escapades and um, different indie companies in America. So, after that match, I've been I've been kind of hooked on the New Japan, so it definitely worked for me. The cleaner swept me into New Japan. Well, it, it's just the way they perform is just really beautiful and uh, fluid and very devastating, though some of the stuff that they do over there. Uh, now, Tiger Mask W, that's uh, he's in NXT, right? I think it's Kobayashi. Possibly, I don't know how that contract shakes out because that's a weird, it's a weird thing. I do know that he, uh, he kind of had a slight heel moment where Okada offered him a handshake after their match, and uh, he like no sold the handshake. 
And then of course, Okada just did his typical rainmaker stuff, which was great. You know, his, uh, as far as his stance in the ring with the, um, you know, making it rain, so to speak, as he does. So it was, it was kind of cool that he's, they're doing a lot with Tiger Mask right now. Cause they also have like an anime going on at the same time, yeah. which is kind of hard to keep up with, but. Well, I'm so much of a dork. I actually knew that too. So yeah, I'm trying to think it's, yeah, it's Kota Ibushi, uh, who's on NXT, which is awesome. I really like the stuff that I've seen with him on NXT. So I'm definitely going to like this match. Uh, I don't know how he's doing that either, unless he got released and is now back into, no, so he's currently with WWE. I don't know. Yeah, I don't Either know. Way, I definitely it, have to check be, that out. It could have been locked into his contract that he had independent dates or something that were already set up because he's been doing this Tiger Mask gimmick for a while. So who knows? I know he's got a couple more dates coming up. They got They're going to do something with that character if they're. I don't know if they're turning him heel or if it was. Anytime they want to get heat on someone um, in Japan, they go with a disrespect type angle. It's in a lot of their matches, which they don't, they don't do. It. Like taunting your opponent, spitting in their face, that kind of thing. It's something yeah. that we don't really do in America as much as they do in Japan. No. That's definitely uh, now, at least, their thing. Back in ECW and Attitude Days, I could see people doing that, but not anymore. You know, we don't even, people don't even slice their fucking head to be able to believe. They have to actually do it for real now. It's crazy with the world we live in. Uh, well, anyways. Well, Horton, I'm going to need you to go out there and. Uh, you know, take take a hard one for the team. Get get some color, pay per view, and then we'll give you the title down the line. Put the strap on. Oh man, you sound kind of like a funk man. That's hilarious. Yeah, but there, there's been a lot of good indie stuff lately. Like, uh, look at the Hardys are doing, man. They're jumping from basically their version of territory to territory, getting all the tag titles, and they look like they eventually are going to try to end up at WWE. Uh, right now, Ring of Honor, they just beat the Young Bucks, who ha- they had the titles for a long time, didn't they? Yeah, and I, I wonder if it has a lot to do with how their New Japan schedule is working out right now with the Bullet Club stuff that they're they're doing. Um, but, yeah, they've had the titles in Ring of Honor for, I don't know, at least six months, maybe longer. But uh, I don't I don't know who the Hardys are going to feud with there maybe the briscoes i guess are the briscoes still in ring honor i think they are i don't know now the, 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 those He's, sloppy briscoe brothers they're not related to uh gerald and uh whatchamacallit uh are they not to my knowledge <laughs> i don't think so no. just wrong. coincidentally they're briscoe brothers too uh they look they're like the exact opposite too like the other ones are kind of like gentlemen southern guys and the other, these guys are a little bit sloppy but ring works really good but yeah i could see that too um, or I, I don't know. Uh, do you think the Hardys have the WWE in mind, like in actual reality, or is Matt Hardy just fucking with us on Twitter constantly? I don't know, but it's awesome. I love that he's kayfaving everybody for sure. I mean, the greatest tag team through all of space and time would insinuate that they're going to try to win all the titles so they can. So, and I think right now they're holding three different tag team championships, three different federations. So. After they drop the titles at Ring of Honor, that's the big one. The rest of them I don't think would matter as much. They, I can see them doing something at WWE level. If, if Vince wants to go down that road, I know he still has some – he probably still has a little bit of hard feelings with uh, Jeff and Matt. They didn't necessarily leave on the best of terms. 
I'm assuming especially this way, Jeff, he, uh, because of his track record had, back then. Yeah, and I mean, he had CM Punk. He put CM Punk over on Jeff Hardy in a retirement match. So yeah. Going to put Punk over Jeff Hardy, I don't think that the Hardys left on such great terms. And then there was also the Lita mess, and she's back in the company. So <clears throat> who knows? I would hope yeah, so. That you know, whole... Vince is good about Go ahead. No, I was going to make an inappropriate comment about Lita, so you're good. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I mean, he squashed beef with other people that have done similar things, so it wouldn't be, you know, too far-fetched. I figured they want them to work with New Day, so I don't know if that's going to be a WrestleMania or what. You would assume. I mean, what are they going to do with New Day is just hosting WrestleMania, which is a weird thing in itself. I don't know. Like, you figure you would have, if you're going to have a big star come in, which they've talked about Hogan and a few other people, that they would be hosting, not not the the New Day. But It's very interesting. And also, like, are they going to keep on going for this? Like, could they be the first team that gets the SmackDown titles and the Raw titles, and then maybe they split off and do their own thing, so maybe they have, like, a couple more year run to leave it in WWE? But that would be... A really good way to do it, <laughs> jumping from place to place, getting all the major titles, and then going to WWE to finish out your fucking thing. So I actually kind of would want that for them, um, especially at this point with Matt Hardy, because I, I was always a Jeff Hardy fan, but I also liked Matt a lot too, and I think people overlooked him. And now that he's kind of recreated himself as this broken Matt Hardy gimmick and brought Jeff back by doing the Brother Nero thing, uh, I think it's really, really progressive and just uh, different. And, well, I mean, I guess not too different. I mean, he does says weird shit. But his whole demeanor, his whole attitude, even him on uh, Talking Jericho, he stayed in character the whole entire time. And it was hilarious to have, uh, you know, Chris go back and forth with him because like, a year before that he was an old Matt Hardy on his show. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the version one Matt Hardy stuff they did when he became a singles wrestler in WWE, like uh, towards the end of his run there. So I've liked Matt Hardy for, for quite some time, but it is cool to see him try to, I mean, he he did reinvent himself. I don't know if it has, I don't I don't know if it's just because they finally gave him creative freedom to do so or or what's behind that. And then also it's like, uh, you know, the thing about Broken Matt Hardy, the, the tag team, and they can come back and just be the Hardy Boys if they really wanted to. It's just like what kind yeah, of limit are they going to put on is the is the worry with with WWE stuff, um, you know, and WWE even like I think they even tried to imitate when they did Final Deletion they did the Bray, they did the whole uh, Wyatt family versus the New Day thing a couple weeks later, and it was just terrible, where <laughs> the New Day went out to the Wyatt compound or whatever, and they had that oh god awful. Yard fight. I know people have forgotten about this now, but it was more. It was like produced like a WWE movie as opposed to like. You know, oh TNA's my god! So I have to look this up now. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll let him. Maybe they'll let them run with that character. Um, he's he's fun. Right. And some polishing wouldn't hurt. I mean, if you know, he gets polished up a little bit, that wouldn't be bad. But. It's it's definitely getting them over. I mean, you just, every week you see delete signs in the crowd, so uh, people want to see him in WWE again, obviously. Who would you – all right, so tag team, I can't think of anyone in general that really matters to me, but, like, all right, split them up. Who would you want to see the two of them uh, square off against? 
or, you know, have a nice little run with? Matt and Jeff. Um, if they're coming in as, like, heels, then probably New Day, because that's your top babyface tag team, maybe Enzo and Cass, even though those are going to be terrible matches. But we haven't gotten oh, to the Barry yeah. Enzo segment yet, but... Um, singles probably, uh, probably. I mean, everybody is going to want either Undertaker or Bray for Matt. I would think, just because of their style of gimmick. Maybe, uh, maybe like Finn, Finn Balor and Matt Hardy would be cool, but I don't think they would ever pull the trigger Jeff, on that. Would have a lot of makeup on if they they thought. That's for damn sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you could even do where it's like you know, it's Finn's the good guy, and you have Matt and Jeff being the heels wanting to delete him. Delete the demon, so to speak. That, so there's, awesome, you know, there's tons of cool stuff you could do. Man, I want to delete the demon. We should hashtag that on Twitter if I actually use that thing. Uh, but I don't. So <laughs> I'm going to. Jawan, if you're listening, you use Twitter. Put hashtag uh, delete the demon and send that to everyone creatively involved over at WWE. Uh, he, he likes to do that, so I think he can figure out exactly who it is. There's like. I don't know, a thousand employees. Make sure you get it to Vince, though, especially. That would be the most important. Um, yeah, I just, I just actually followed Vince on Twitter, and I don't think he's posted anything in a really long time, but I was like, I'm like, he has a Twitter, <laughs> which is just hot. Oh, how can he even I keep up with it? He's constantly working. <laughs> I, don't, I have no clue. He makes Triple H do it for him. <laughs> I, want, I want an assistant. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get better at that. So I don't have to, like, talk every time. Feels like I just so, took a uh, hit. Please. Who, who would you want to see the Hardys go up against? I mean, coming back. I mean, that's the thing is, like, tag team-wise, I'm trying to think of, like, ones that I really care about. I mean, that American Alpha would probably have some really cool back-and-forth matches. Uh, if they were at SmackDown. And then, you know, if you wanted, then Matt Hardy could branch off and go against Bray. Uh, Jeff, I, I just thought about, like, him and all the blue paint on the end is, like, Finn Balor, you know, them trading off and doing high-flying stuff. Just your basic I, – I guess I guess it's kind of obvious who you would think that they would go after uh, in a way. Maybe they would go against Cesaro and Sheamus because those guys are getting so utilized so well, you know. Um, it would be cool actually to see that match, but I'm actually making a joke because they should be doing single wrestling and uh, way up in the food chain, especially Cesaro since he hasn't got a chance. But I digress. I mean, you know I mean, I guess. So is, can Cesaro get over as an actual face, though? I think so, man. Like I've a, always thought that Cesaro taken, had a lot of charisma. He's just taken so many losses at this point. He's in the same spot as Sami Zayn, where it's like you got to package him with someone else to really do that, and then they, you know, that whole was it the League of Nations shit kind of buried Sheamus for a long time. I mean, people forget that yeah. he was champion, like, two years ago. I don't know. Guys can do slow at the beginning of their career, and some, you know, especially if they have momentum and come back from it. All you need is a good storyline where it's like they defeat some type of huge obstacle, and then people fucking embrace them, and that plummets them from point A to point B. The problem is they just have too many people to put in that position um, to be able to, like, you know, I guess add someone in. So I guess that's, that's going to be the issue no matter what. But even Sami Zayn, man, I, I actually 
I really liked the match with him and um, Samoa Joe, other than the, you know, he lost, but it was cool to see. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I'll wait. We'll, we'll go into the interview with Hoax once he calls in, whenever he decides to call in. Um, but let's go into uh, Fastlane. Does that sound good, man? Or, or do you want to talk about some other stuff, Mike, you know? Well, let's we'll start with Fastlane and see where we go. We might breeze through this because it was, uh, these were uneventful events <laughs> the past three days. What? Even if they weren't that great when some of the events on your Raw and SmackDown following your pay-per-view are actually better matches than the ones that you premiered on your pay-per-view, that's a bad thing. All right, let's go to the first one, the one that was actually really good that wasn't televised. Rick Swan and Akira Tozawa defeated Brian Kendrick and Noam Dar. And actually, I gave him nine minutes and 25 seconds uh, to kick off the show. Uh, I thought it was an awesome match, back and forth. Um and it was fun seeing the Kieran Bryant and uh, what call it, uh, Rich one like he was like dancing and jigging in the ring, going back and forth, and then hugging Akira really awkwardly. But they look like they love each other, and I hope they have beautiful children. How'd you like this match? I liked it. I thought it was fun. Uh, it was a good kickoff match, and it's good that they gave them more than you know three minutes. So that it's fun. Tazawa is like slowly becoming my favorite cruiserweight in WWE. Besides, uh, besides Neville and Aries, of course, but Tazawa and Swan, I think, kind of you know stole that match a little bit. That Phoenix splash that that uh, Swan does is pretty awesome. So it was a good match, you know. It's especially considering, you know, it's a kickoff match. If I felt like it served its purpose as far as what they were going for with that match, and the end of the match got really good. Like the last couple of minutes, they had some good sequences. And for once, the crowd wasn't, like, sitting on their hands during a cruiserweight match. So they were they were doing something, right? Yeah, it was just fun and all over the place. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, and it went, the second match on this uh, on this card was actually pretty cool. Uh, Smojo uh, defeated Sami Zayn uh, with his submission, of course. Uh, they gave them almost 10 minutes, too, uh, for a match. Um I mean, it was a good match. They went back and forth. Uh, a couple times I thought Samojo had killed Sami Zayn. Uh, but, you know, towards the end, he kept on, you know, he kept on doing the Sami Zayn thing, where it's like he gets a lot of strikes in, he's actually coming back. You're like, yeah, he can do it, like Rudy. And, uh, you know, except for the, he's not like Rudy. Well, because Rudy ended when he was – don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Point being, uh, I like how uh, that that uh, Samojo was like over Sami Zayn's lifeless body. He was like, "I told you so! I told you so!" It's pretty, pretty, pretty uh, fun match. How, how did you like it? Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was a good match. It was. I mean, it served its purpose. It, it's a hard match because you can't give Sami the win, even though he needs to win because he's facing Joe. And uh, you know. It's kind of disappointing if you watched any of their NXT matches or, or, or any matches that they had in the Indies with Generico and Samoa Joe, but it was it was fine. Um, it made sense, you know, for for Samoa Joe, and it, it established Sammy to a certain point or degree, I would say, but nothing that was like crazy. I don't think it got him super over as a face, but hopefully, it helps him out. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you uh, completely. I mean, I, I 
do you think they're they're going with the, to WrestleMania with the two of them, or was that Samoa Joe's first person that was going to keep on going? Because I mean, they definitely have some interaction, uh, you know, Monday. So, what do you think they're doing with that? Well, I I would say that they're going to stick with Sami Zayn for a little bit, just because they don't know. Well, Rollins is, is supposedly coming back, right? So, Rollins is going to be going against Triple H. So Samoa Joe's got to have something to do on the undercard, unless they bring Balor back. But I feel like they would save that for WrestleMania in some cam- some capacity. I would assume that Joe's going to go against Sami Zayn because Kevin Owens already has the other face on the show, which is um, Jericho. And then now it's like, what what's Braun doing? Is Braun going to wrestle the Big Show? Are we going to get that match again? I, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, this next match, I think that you're going to enjoy, uh, or you should have enjoyed just like I did, uh, between Gallows and Anderson being heel as fuck, uh, defeating Enzo Amore and Big Cass with a pinfall. It was basically Gallows and Anderson versus Amore the whole entire fucking time. Enzo was just getting the shit knocked out of him in the corner. Uh, he went for that hot tag, the hot dog, hot tag, and completely got kicked in the face by Carl Anderson. He got kicked in the face a lot, actually, in this match, which was great. Uh, Bada-bing, bada-boom, you lose. And they lost. And, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, how, how did you feel about this? It wasn't anything special, but I, I was happy to see him get the fuck knocked out of him. <laughs> that dude gets kicked in the head so much between Sheamus and, <laughs> and Gallo. I feel like his head's. A, I know, like, dude. Uh, I've, I, you know, it was, it was a lot of Enzo selling, and then you know, Cass comes in off the hot tag, like you said, gets his shit in. It was just a very straightforward, almost like a TV tag match on SmackDown. There wasn't anything special about it. At least they, uh, you know, Anderson Gallows played up the heel role. They won, kind of. They cheated to win, so. My only worry is it, does it set up like a three-way tag title match between, you know, Sheamus and Cesaro, Anderson and Gallows, and then Cass and Enzo for WrestleMania. So if yeah. that's the case, that sucks. But uh, the, as far as the match goes and Anderson Gallows goes, it, it was fine. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um I don't know. Like I said, to see Enzo get knocked around. The thing is, that sucks. And, I mean, we've talked about this. Uh, Cass is actually not a bad wrestler. Uh, when they made him go against uh, uh, Dean Ambrose, and there's a couple other people for the belt, randomly, on um, SmackDown not too long ago, a couple months, uh, he did really well. And I like watching him in the ring. He just really is bad with the mic. And uh, I can't stand <laughs> Enzo more. And I understand the audience likes him. Uh, it's the same reason why they do a lot of decision-making, which makes sense if your majority likes a certain thing. It's kind of like me with comics. You know, I tell people that we are, you know, as comic book fans, to set your principles down a little bit because they're going for the general public, people that are not even, like, that nerdy and sweaty about it, kind of like us. You know, they don't really look at wrestling in a certain technique or anything like that. So it is what it is while stuff like that happens. Um, just like the weird New Day... Uh, ice cream thing, where it looked like Biggie was rolling on ecstasy, I think. I don't, I don't know what the fuck was going on. I want to try their new ice cream, though, so I guess they got me, you know? How, how did you feel about that segment? <laughs> I'm I'm over the ice cream thing. 
why would your world's longest reigning tag team champions not be trying to get their rematch clause for the title? <laughs> That's my problem. No idea. <laughs> like, don't no they want to get the title clue. back again? <laughs> they obviously don't care. It makes them come off as kind of dumb, which, I mean, they're supposed to be kind of a little silly. I mean, they're they're more – they definitely gear their stuff more towards, like, a you know, a young teen audience, both male and female audience for teens. But it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's just – it's kind of silly when you think about it when they held the title for, like, 400-something days or whatever it was. <laughs> They beat Demolition's record, goddammit, for a reason. Axe and Smash would be pissed. And Crush. Nas yeah, pissed is like other guys, like, like the Road Warriors who didn't hold the title that long. But yeah, people are pissed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the Road Warriors that Demolition was based off of because Vince McMahon didn't have them over in WWF at the time. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff like that. It's weird. Anyways, um, let's keep on going with this uh, to a match that was actually pretty fun to watch. Uh, Sasha Banks sold a lot of moves from Nia Jax while she beat the shit out of her in the ring. Um, This is actually a pretty good match, almost nine minutes long. Um, You know, she kept on coming back and jumping and putting in, like, sleeper holds and shit. And at one point, the torture rack looked really devastating uh, from where we were because she kept on going and going. But at one point, I remember her jumping, like, she was, like, up about to do a move, and then she jumped on her, put her in a sleeper hold, and she ended up rolling her up after trying to get the Simone drop, you know, uh, Nia Jax got the Simone drop on her, it was a roll-up, and she won one, two, three, Jax loses to Sasha Banks, um, how do you feel about that, Ed, do you think there'll be repercussions going on with this, well, we'll soon talk about, but the three-way match to make the card with all four of them. Well, didn't Nia Jax have an undefeated streak going into this? So the you way know, I sure. feel about it, the way I feel about it, it's kind of negative if that's the case. I'm pretty sure in singles competition she hasn't been beaten, so you kind of just gave a throwaway match that didn't really mean anything. Um, and the match itself was okay. And Nia's in ring ability, they kind of, it's okay. You know, it's not terrible. And she's definitely different than the rest of the well people on there. It. Yeah, I just I don't know. She should have won the match. In all honesty. Yeah, but. do you think the do you think the roll up was cheap? I think I that's what they were that. going for is it to try to make Nia still look strong in the outcome of the match, but they kinda threw a record away. She kinda had a or streak going. Which I guess they weren't really building towards that. That's just how they booked it. But I, I was always assuming that she was gonna Come WrestleMania, she was going to be like, look, I haven't been beaten, so why am I not in the title match? But I guess that's not where they're going, so who knows? Who knows? Well, I'm receiving an update. Um, Unfortunately, our guest is not going to be able to make it. Uh, He's at a morgue uh, with something with a funeral. So, apologize, but Hoax will be on our show. Definitely in the future. Uh, you got to meet this guy. He's a weird cat. Uh, I don't know how to describe him, actually. Like I said, I knew him back in high school, and I just know he's a wrestler. So it's kind of a weird one, but we'll keep on going with this wonderful pay-per-view. Um, Briss. Too bad you want to join us either tonight, but, you know, I understand what it's like to have work get in the way of stuff. So shit happens. Um, anyways, by the way, if you guys want to join us, 
Now that I have a chance, uh, call in at 929-477-3781. You'll be listening to us, and at that point, press 1 if you'd like to join our conversation, ask a question, you know, any of the the normal stuff. So getting back to this pay-per-view. All right, so now we have these random matches that get made out of nowhere because they obviously had no idea what the fuck they were going to do with their schedule. I have no idea. Jinder Mahal and Rusev are no more. We do not have a Nikolai Volkov Iron Sheik situation anymore, uh, which is devastating. I mean, because Russians and Muslims have been pairing up since the beginning of time. So it makes sense to have that type of team. Anyways, uh, Cesaro was going against Jinder Mahal, and then we'll get to the next match, which I actually really enjoyed. Both these matches were pretty fun. You know, nothing too crazy, both under nine minutes. Uh, Cesaro, Cesaro, Cesarzo, like Zorro, it mixes Cesaro, defeated Jinder Mahal via pinfall. Um, I'll just throw it off to you first. How did, how did you like this match? I hated it. thought it was terrible. It was pointless. Like, why the hell is this match here? It wasn't promoted at all. I mean, other than, like, no, I can't. No, you know what? This was just a mid-card, like, raw match, like a filler match. Like, why the hell are they having this match on a pay-per-view? Why not give other talent longer in the ring to have a better match than to do a nine-minute Cesaro versus Jinder Mahal match? <sighs> and then at oh. the end, you just get you just get random, like, big show. <laughs> like, yeah. so... That was... Hey, it was fun to watch Big Show throw Rusev around like he was a rag doll, though, you know? Yeah. This whole this whole 18 minutes of my life, I wish I could have back. When, you listen when to they the gave show, them the streaming want... back time, too, it was like, you guys got to do this shit under 10 minutes. You got, you got, we got a total of 20 minutes for, the, <laughs> for you guys. Exactly. Yeah, they, you know, the rundown was pretty... I don't know. I like I like the big show. Didn't he punch out Rusev? He went over to the ropes while he was down, just knocked him right out. Yeah, I mean, he hit him with two choke slams and then just punched him in the face, which you know doesn't help Rusev at all, who's a good wrestler, but it does make Big Show look uh, look formidable. How do you feel about so. Big Show right now? Uh, talking about, he just announced. I think this is gonna be his last year. Um, do you think that was smart? I, I, I think it's good personally. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go first. Just because of the fact that, um, you know, he's in good shape, and if he thinks that he wants to do one more year, kind of give him some matches and let him put maybe Braun Strowman over at next WrestleMania or something. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that's what they're going to go for. They had a pretty good match on Raw, um, not this week, but was it last week, I believe it was? Yeah. And, uh, Maybe they're going that route just because I think the, the whole Shaq thing fell through. So Big Show's not fighting Shaq, or at least not to our knowledge. So they got to do something. It's probably just a rebound, and maybe they're going to do Rusev versus Show or Strowman, Strowman versus Show now that Strowman kind of backed down on Raw, which we'll get to later. But, yeah, I, I like seeing Show in shape and moving around the ring. He, he looked good in this match. It was, it was fine. It just kind of felt like it was a throwaway match. Because there was no build to it, other than you know, Big Show just randomly came out and whooped whole sell ass on everybody. But uh, I mean, if if they if they build that the rest of the way to Mania, that's fine. You know, if they just build Big Show making saves for people. But I don't know. 
it's it's kind of weird. They put Big Show in a weird weird situation where you know he's got a he can go against Braun, but they did that match for free. You know, so yeah, it's like you gotta get they're, people. They're not gonna build something match. up. You can't have like those two giants squaring off again at WrestleMania unless you're gonna build it up right after the you know put some type of storyline in it where he's like he cheated me or some bullshit you know. But I, I agree with you. Uh, the next match was a pretty fucking cool match. Um, I think it was the match of the night. It was for the Cruiserweight Championship between Neville, who defeated Neville, a.k.a. Legolas meets Taz, defeated Jack Gallagher via pinfall to retain a title in 20, 12 minutes and 10 seconds, it says right here. I'm not reading off of anything, by the way. <laughs> how, did, how did you like the match? I thought it was the match of the night, uh, much as you said. I, yeah. I like that Gallagher got some offense in. Um, it was back and forth a lot of the times. And I also like that you got to see uh, the red arrow pulled out for the win. It's like he couldn't get it done without using his baby face move. You know, he, hadn't, he hasn't really done that since he came back as a heel. So it was cool to see him have to pull that out of the repertoire as like a, almost like a secondary finisher type deal. So that was neat. Um, it was it was the best match of the night, and uh, it kind of makes it's a good thing too because like I said they haven't done much with the cruiserweights so it's it's nice to see those guys finally just getting some time to work and doing some different things in the ring and the crowd seemed into it which is was positive after the uh, Russo slash Cesaro slash Big Show slash uh, gender stuff that happened right before it so I mean overall it it was uh, it was definitely my favorite, probably my favorite match of the week, minus the New Japan stuff we talked about earlier in the show. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude, it was it was pretty fucking. It was a grueling match. It was it was fun. Um, you're right about the audience. Uh, I haven't heard them say this is awesome and start chanting that out for a cruiserweight match. I don't know at all. I mean, maybe they do that at, uh, you know when they're filming for two or three live, but uh, I could be wrong. Uh, but, yeah, with the Red Arrow, man, that was awesome that he had to pull that out. And I think it was uh, – this is great commentary to, to help out the storyline. I think it was Corey Graves who said, like, he had to go for the Red Arrow to be able to finish it. We haven't seen him use that in a long time. And just, like, stuff like that, just saying those little plants, like, well, why do he use that? He hasn't been using it so long. Oh, yeah, this is the reason. Like, I love that in developing the storyline. Um, actually, I'm going to ask you we'll, – we'll get back on this, but a little tangent – do you like what they've been doing, especially on SmackDown, as far as, uh, you know, not not so much announcing. This is kind of a little bit separate from this. But uh, with the promos they've been doing, like single promos, like I said, that they haven't done probably since the 80s, maybe the 90s, yeah, maybe like the early 90s and shit like that. Um, and also, did you see that video of AJ Styles uh, in gorilla position getting in Shane's face that they staged immediately after the match with him and Randy? Yes, I did. Um, I, you know, it's it's kind of cool. It's a throwback, but they got to make sure they're having better people do it than like Natalia and Brie Bella. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very true. I, I just love that the Road Dog had to get in the way of Shane and um, you know, uh, AJ. Like, all right, man, back off. Someone get him. Like, I love the Road Dog, Jesse James. He's a badass. Um, you know, he's an Armstrong too. Good, good family. Good wrestling blood, if you will. But, uh, yeah, I just – I love those, like, little things. And not only that, the, the promos not so much, but, like, doing that whole entire backstage thing, if you keep on putting, like, little things online, 
it, this is going to sound kind of dumb, I guess. Well, it might sound dumb. But it's going to be a hell of a lot harder for kids to believe in professional wrestling. Not that that's like Santa Claus or anything like that. With the day and age, though, with technology and stuff. So stuff like this, to be able to make kids like think, no, no, it's real. Like, I think that's kind of fun for them. So on that aspect, I also like it. Uh, but getting back into the match, sorry, I went on a nice little tangent. Um, yeah, definitely was the best match of the night. Those headbutts, man. Like, holy shit. Okay, I know the Sweet Chin music. Shawn Michaels smacks the side of his pants. made with a certain things. He definitely kicks them a little bit. He can kind of, like, step it a little bit to the side. That's how he makes that happen. How the fuck is Gallagher making those headbutts sound that devastating, especially after his forehead and Neville's forehead are both, like, red as shit? He hit him, like, four or five times, especially the one where he's on top ropes. How do you think he's doing that? Do you have any idea? Um, either, well, I, Neville got his hands up for a couple of them, which is smart, but then some of them are just, I mean, it's just New Japan style and did she just take it. I don't think every wrestler is going to do that, but, you know, he's trying to hit him above the, uh, it's a dangerous move because he hits him in the nose, he's going to break his nose, you know, so, um, uh, he, I'm assuming he's, he's like dropping the crown of his head. So he's hitting him like it would be almost like if you were dropping the crown of your helmet to hit someone in football. So it's the hardest point in your oh. head. Like your forehead would be my guess. That and getting your hands okay. up. Like if you were if you were telling someone how to take a chair shot, for instance, you know, un- that's why they like before got into like the 90s where everyone was doing unprotected headshots. The key is to get your hands up beforehand, like last second. And it can still look crazy devastating. But it also makes sense because – in what world are you just going to, like, not defend yourself from getting hit with a chair or hit with a giant headbutt? So you don't have to, you know, go unprotected on that move. Also, he could be – I mean, he does throw his hands out to his side, so it does make it look a lot more brutal. So, you know, that's probably part just Neville being like, I'm, I'm willing to take this. Similar to, like, uh, Nakamura and Samoa Joe when they wrestle their shit super stiff. Or uh, yeah, Nakamura and even Sami Zayn. Like Nakamura put a beating on Sami Zayn in that NXT match before uh, Zayn left NXT. It's it's a pretty crazy scene with the stuff. Because like afterwards, I was like, my God, dude, he had to have connected pretty hard on the head with and I I can't I couldn't tell for one of them when he was in the ring when he nailed Neville if Neville fell to his ass because he was selling it or if it was like actually he was a little bit dazed, but uh, great match nonetheless. Uh, goes into another match. I don't know. I like I want to say, based on the last two, this is probably the second best match of the night maybe. Um, but I hated the ending uh, just because it made absolutely no sense. I heard just, it was uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. What is with me tonight? Defeats Braun Strowman via pinfall in 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Yep, they got that long. Um, but it was it was an intense, tough match. But I heard Stone Cold's podcast, and his big criticism for this match um, was, why the fuck do you have Strowman go into the top rope to do a splash? Like, you know, that guy's too big to be up there for one thing. You know, anything could happen. And... Like, what was the point of that? Like, where, where would that make sense that a big guy would be like, you know what, to be able to beat him, I'm going to jump off the top ropes, and I'm fucking 300-something pounds. How did you feel about this match? Did the ending destroy it for you, Chris, or did you not like it in general? Did you like it? You know? uh, 
I thought it was fine. It kind of made Strowman look a little dumb going up to the top rope to beat him. But the idea he was undefeated. Yeah, the idea behind it was that if he goes up to the top rope, uh, the idea is that he can't beat Reigns any other way. So he's going to try to crush him, Um, which would be fine if you built that as something that he did. You know, and like I know Stone Cold hates big guys going up top rope, but like Vader was three, like over three hundred. Bam Bam was over three hundred. Uh, Kane goes up to the top rope; he's over three hundred. Uh, Undertaker walks the rope and then jumps off. So uh, you can do it. It's just you gotta, you gotta how you gotta do it in the the right way. I think the worst part was uh, didn't he just hit one spear and that was the end after he missed the splash? I feel like they yeah. could have done like two or maybe a spear and some other kind of move that Reigns hasn't used before to kind of, you know, build it up. Or hell, just beat him with a straight superplex off the top rope. Like, you know, it's a beautiful of superplex. People, people are just really, I think, yeah, like I said before, dude, somebody's got to hit the fisherman suplex off the top rope, bridge that into a pin. It's a great finisher. Dude, that would be amazing. I love a fisherman suplex by itself. I watched um, I forgot what Royal Rumble it was, but like the the last five was was uh, it was The Rock, Kane, Kurt Henning, uh, Triple H, and Stone Cold, and they treated Kurt Henning so well. And I don't think he had much of a year after that, and unfortunately passed away shortly after that too. But it was like 2001, I believe. And to see him get that beautiful fisherman suplex, all of them were landing their finishers, and they gave him that. And then, of course, I think it was uh, Stone Cold eliminated him, but, you know, shit happens. But rest in peace, Kurt Henning. Uh, you're a badass. That's a badass move off the top ropes. It would look pretty fucking sweet if you asked me, Chris. You're right about that. Um, let's go to the uh, the women's uh, championship. Bailey defeated Charlotte Flair in a pinfall uh, to, to retain the title, uh, 16 minutes and 55 seconds. And, oh, my God. Charlotte lost her streak. Uh, her credibility is out the window. I mean, she's only the daughter of Ric Flair and very athletic and whatever and whatnot. But um, this was actually uh, this was a pretty good match. Of course, it had to have uh, the interrupting with Sasha Banks. Um, but you know, it was it was a it was it was a fine match. I think. Uh, not one of my favorites. Mainly, all right, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. I'm sorry. <sighs> God. It's so easy to say this about people like Enzo and Moore, uh, but I am not a Bailey fan at all. Like, I think it's cute and all, but uh, she's kind of fucking annoying, and I think her finishing move is a goddamn joke. Uh, no way in hell is a belly-to-belly suplex really a great finisher anymore. I don't know who told her that. Maybe, maybe, maybe Miss the Death Row with the thing, you know, put some fire on it, baby. You got this, baby. I have no idea. I have no clue what it is about her, but she just kind of annoys me. Chris, am I am I a heartless asshole for thinking that? Uh, no, not with the way she's been booked. Like, if she was, you know, when she was in NXT, I think her gimmick made a little more sense. <laughs> Having, like, Stephanie and Charlotte bury her for being a fan and that being her gimmick kind of just kills her gimmick a little bit. Um, the finisher is terrible. Like a belly to belly, belly to belly suplex. As far as in WWE goes, is not, not a great finisher. 
like there's so many other things that she could do that could look devastating. But as long as the move's protected, like if no one's ever kicking out of that thing, then you can make that a point in the announcing to make that move over. Like we were talking about Okada at the beginning of the show. His finisher is a short arm clothesline. Like it's not yeah. anything crazy. It, it's like I said, it's a super protected move. But, so when he hits it, it's like you don't see people kick out of it that often. Maybe with the exception of like Kenny Omega and like a big event. But that move is always going to be the finish. And if the announcers play that up to where the move is that good, it's still the finish. That being said, that move is still the drizzling shits. And this match was also the drizzling shits. I'm going opposite of you. Hated everything about this match. And I thought that it wasted Charlotte Street. I was trying to be nice. When they <laughs> they they could have just had they could have done the same thing and had Charlotte win via disqualification because Sasha was trying to help Bailey and still continued that storyline forward. The only thing I can think is they didn't want to put the title back on Charlotte because they don't want it to seem like the title's flip flopping. But I would assume that that title's coming back to her at WrestleMania anyways. So it it just uh yeah no it was fucking terrible. I hated it. The match itself was fine, but it's also just like the same match that they've had um, on the pay-per-view before, so it wasn't anything special. And then how is your baby face going to get help from another baby face and your heel makes her <laughs> makes her buddy stay in the back? Like, it just, I don't know what they were going for or who that was, who that match was for, because if, it, if it's for anyone over the age of like 18, I think they fucking hated it. That's a very, very good point. You know, Chris, uh, maybe I'm too nice on the product, but you buried it just now. And uh, I don't blame you, actually. I thought the, uh, not the psychology, but actually like the performance itself, I thought they did a good job back and forth. One thing you were talking about with Okada versus, uh, you know, the, what the hell is it called? Um, Rainmaker versus the Bailey to Belly. When you're doing a belly-to-belly, people can't really sell that to make it look like it's devastating like they can with the Rainmaker. Like, you know, when you saw Kenny and Nato both get connected and react with that, the way that they move themselves, it does look that devastating. But it just looks like she's doing a fucking belly-to-belly suplex. It's stupid. Like, that move's kind of dumb to begin with anyways. But I digress once again. Um, you know, I also didn't understand the point of if you're going to give it back to Charlotte at WrestleMania, then why not keep on having this streak of hers continue? Um, but I agree with you. There were a lot of aspects to match that I did not suit uh, well with myself. Um, but, you know, shit happens. And Bailey is still the fucking champion. Let's get – well, we're done with this, right? There's nothing else to talk about. There's no other matches. And uh, that was it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, there was there was a squash match. You know the main event squash match we've been waiting for 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 fucking weeks. <laughs> All right, so it's not easy when you know what's going to happen. Um, so for everyone that didn't know what was going to happen, I feel really bad for you because it had to have been worse. Um, but it's also not easy to know that you're about to watch this. But at least I thought. All right, Brock Lesnar is the beast. He's the monster. But for some reason, his kryptonite now that you've shown in this story has always been Goldberg. So it makes sense for him to be able to do this stupid, ridiculous bullshit. That, by the way, when Goldberg, when Goldberg was on his streak back in WCW, it was mostly jobbers. The ones that actually took a large amount of time for his longest matches, whether it be fucking 10 minutes or whatever, 
they were some of the bigger names. So you can actually have a match with Goldberg, especially now where I think that, honestly, in the ring, he actually might be able to move a little bit better. I know that sounds crazy, but he's been practicing MMA and a lot of other style stuff. So, to me, there was no reason to have a fucking squash match like this. You could have had this as a pretty decent match, you know, nothing crazy for, for, for Goldberg's sake, but then Chris Jericho comes out, distracts him, and the same fucking thing. There was no reason to squash Kevin Owens. Now, you made him completely look like a giant bitch going forward. And really, Kevin Owens was like a heel, stone-cold, Bam Bam Bigelow hybrid of dickness that would fucking just, you know, tell you to go fuck yourself. Like, he was finally there. The, 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 the carnival of friendship, whatever the shit was called, that was over. We get to see KO from, you know, stuff that I've watched him on Ring of Honor as Kevin Steen, I believe, or whatever the fuck, and NXT. Uh, I wanted to punch someone in the face, and I knew exactly what was going to happen, Chris. How, how did you feel? Oh, I loved it, dude. I thought it was great. I hate you. <laughs> no, dude, it was terrible. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks. It's just awful. You know, I actually thought that they were going to pull the Samoa Joe card to make uh, to make Joe look hard. And then they came back on Monday and definitely showed there is some collusion between Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe in some sort of way. And it's like, well, you know, the time to do that would have been, like, keep the title on Kevin Owens. The title doesn't mean anything. I mean, that match is still the main match, Brock versus Goldberg. It's still going to draw the most, whether the title's there or not. The title seems irrelevant. I guess it gives that match another angle, but it really doesn't need it. It's just like people are going to want to see Brock beat Goldberg. And, uh, you know, there was cheers when he won the title from Kevin Owens, but it wasn't like, I know. holy shit, we love Goldberg. You know, it's it would have been nice. Like, the thing is, Goldberg hasn't really taken any bumps at this point, and he hasn't really taken any bumps since he left. He, what, he wrestled in Japan for a while before after WCW. So he hasn't really worked a match. So, I mean, the only thing I think is they're protecting Goldberg to the best of their ability. And this Lesnar-Goldberg match is going to be fast at WrestleMania, which is going to be really bad because every time they do a match that's like a squash at WrestleMania, people freak the fuck out. Uh, Example, Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan, which part of that was everybody won Daniel Bryan to win, and the other part is it lasted 17 seconds. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it was terrible. I didn't love it. I was just kidding. It was awful. But it wasn't what we expected. <laughs> okay, I'm glad to hear that because I was like, what? Fuck, man. Really? Because that was just stupid. That was that was just awful. I don't – like I said, maybe I'm just jaded because of how they – you know, how, how Sting's adventure in, w, in WWF was, WWE, what do you call it? Uh, but Or the fact that I love Kevin Owens, and I've never been a Goldberg fan. But like I was saying beforehand, we have to go back, guys. Us wrestling fans, the ones that actually perceive things a little bit differently, we don't realize that a large, massive audience is cheering Goldberg. Now, why they don't listen to the fact that everyone boos Roman Reigns? No fucking clue. But that's how it is. And we just have to deal with it. So now we're leaving this pay-per-view and going off to Raw. And at the beginning of Raw, 
All right, let's see. Hold on one second. Um, <laughs> so Chris Jericho comes out, and Jericho says some Jericho stuff. Now he's a baby face. He wants everyone to love him. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. KO comes out. They talk shit. They go back and forth. KO tells him that he was never his friend, that he was a tool, um, and that it was his fault. They screwed him over. And Jericho, which I loved, kind of didn't flip it like he was scared. He was like, oh, no, no, no. This is the start of something, dude. Like, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to fuck you up. And then proceeded to come out. They started fighting each other out of nowhere. Weird. This, this whole entire heel faction with Triple H is definitely not panning out. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Samoa Joe jumps in the ring, and it proceeds to be two-on-one, which I would not want to be Jericho, even though he's that big of a badass. Then Sami Zayn runs out, and we have the two of them going off on each other, and a pretty fucking good match, I think, between Sami Zayn and KO, which um, Owens had to hit two pop-up powerbombs to put out Zayn um, in a, you know, a pretty aggressive fucking match. Um, How did you like it? All right, so the interview segment, I liked everything about it except for the fact that Jericho said his feelings were hurt. <laughs> and that, that's why he was mad at Kevin Owens. It was basically, you hurt my feelings. Not that you threw me through a TV, you asshole. You hurt my feelings, bro. So that was, that was you know, but that is kind of Jericho's character right now, so I guess it worked. Uh, it you know, it's it's hard to buy that Jericho was the gullible one. I always thought it was going to be the other way around with Jericho turning on uh, Kevin Owens in some form, and then they just kept building it. And I was like, no, they're going to go that they're going to go that road. But uh, ah, it was fine. I liked it, and then I liked uh, I'd like the Sami Zayn coming in for the save. It makes sense because he hates Kevin Owens, so they're still building that. Now, what I don't like is that you have Sami Owens. Uh, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens, which they just did a week before that. And they were supposed to have their blow-off match, you know, back in the summer. And it seems like they've wrestled like 10 times since then, which uh, shows that you have a lack of star power and talent. Um, The match itself was fine. It made Kevin Owens look strong. um, But it doesn't – nothing protected Sami Zayn in that match. It looked like he literally got squashed. Well, I mean, he, he did literally get squashed at the end. But it was kind of cool to see that it took two pop-up power bombs to put him under. Uh, because did it? Or did Kevin Owens? See, because I took it as Kevin Owens, like, dropped him on his neck with that one move and then gave him a pop-up power bomb yeah. and then gave him another just because he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 might, that might have been his, uh, his, his way about it, but... I, I like Sammy. Uh, he's he's Rocky, except for Rocky has a little bit better of a track record. Uh, Rudy, whatever. Doesn't matter. Next match. Neville has to go against Rick Swan after defending his title the night before, obviously, and defeats Rick Swan. Pretty damn good match. Very short. But it was the stuff afterwards that I really liked. Um, Austin Aries interviews Neville and... Asked him who he'd like to basically see next uh, for him to fight. And Neville's acting like an angry elf, uh, which kind of is. Uh, but don't don't hurt me, Neville, because, yeah. Anyways, um, and uh, at one point in the interview, the crowd starts, uh, you know, saying Austin Aries when 
he was asking the question of who he'd like to see him go next. And, of course, Neville handles it, tries to be a douche about it. And Austin Aries just, you know, beats the shit out of him, hits him with the microphone, hits a rolling elbow, and uh, Neville gets the hell out of the ring, and Aries grabs the Cruiserweight title and shows that basically we all know, unless they're going to drag this out even longer between the two of them for a feud, Austin Aries is probably going to be our future Cruiserweight champion, which I'm completely content with. Uh, but my only problem, and along with the match and how you liked it, Chris, I'll ask you this question. Uh, they're making too many big names for the Cruiserweight title, I think, because they keep on switching it off too much. So we have Neville, we have Rich Swan, we have TJ Perkins, we have, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Austin Aries. There's too many guys that are look, making you look really strong that are now going to automatically look weak if they keep on trading it off. I, I, just, I, I found it to be a little bit of a problem that maybe someone needs to hold on to it for a little while. And also, what the fuck are they going to do with WrestleMania with the Cruiserweight title? It's probably going to be on the pre-card, but are they going to have like a, a ladder match, like a couple of them, or I don't even know. Uh, let me hand off all that bullshit to you. Uh, the match wasn't as short as you thought it was. Actually, it was a it was it was actually longer than the pay per view match. Believe it or not, it was uh, fourteen minutes. Really? I don't. Know. Oh, um, it was a good match. I like that Swan got offense and he didn't look weak in his loss. Uh, he went for the Phoenix Splash to end it, which he had just won with the night before, and uh, missed and and Neville, you know, beat him and. It set up that awesome interview, and they've been building the interview thing with Austin Aries for a while. I think I've talked about it either on the second or third episode we did, how it seems like they were trying to build to that. Um, and uh, Austin Aries, like at the end when he's like, I have a question, one last question for you. He's like, no, it's, it's actually more of a statement. And then he just cheap shots him with a microphone. It's pretty great. It's kind of a very shit heel yeah. thing to do, but that's kind of Austin Aries in general. And then he hits the rolling elbow, knocks him clear out of the ring, takes the title, like you said, and uh, stands in the center of the ring like, yo, you want some? The one thing I will say is that eye, that orbital break that he has when he took those sunglasses off, that thing, I don't know if it's healed and it just healed that way or if he's still slightly injured or what, but that thing still looks a little, little rough, a little rough to look at, so... Um, it just makes him more mean looking, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, as far are as you uh, saying you don't want him to, I was gonna say, are you saying that you don't want him to look like Shawn Michaels? Does now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I so. love Shawn, but I'm just saying we all know that his orbital bone got broke and his eye kind of slants now a little bit. Um, it gives him character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one looks a little worse than that on the as far as that goes. They, uh, now, I will say um, Neville's definitely the centerpiece heel. And what they'll probably do is have Aries actually have to deserve this title shot. So I'm assuming you get a number one contender match on 205 Live at some point. Aries wins. And then you set up a feud with Perkins or Swan or someone else for your pre-card and then you actually have Austin Aries. There's no reason why Austin Aries and Neville can't be on the main card at WrestleMania because that Brock Lesnar Goldberg match is going to last like a minute. So <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, God. With that triple, that triple that H entrance, the triple H entrance is going to last like 15 minutes. Said so the triple H entrance is going to last like 15 minutes. So we're going to have to wait for that one. I want, I want, 
I want I want DX ballerinas dancing and uh <laughs> oh, God dang it man. Oh I don't need a cop anymore. I cop way too much in my life. So we'll keep <laughs> on going to a, to another giant grunting man. Uh, for some reason, people love Mr. Goldberg, the new Universal Champion who loves children and all that stupid shit. Um, you know what? You know who also loves children? Daniel Bryan, Hulk Hogan. I like them. So go fuck yourself, Bill Goldberg. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, he wants. But he talk, wants to be their say, hero. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck him. Um, he wanted to come out there and say and then about fifty times. Uh, like he always does. But, of course, Paul Heyman, one of my favorite promoters, heels, whatever the fuck have you, of all damn time. Um, Paul Heyman came out, did his whole entire spiel, said, hey, he wanted to congratulate Goldberg, but, of course, he knew that he would never, he should never walk to the ring, blah, 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 without Brock Lesnar. So Brock comes out, the two of them face the ring, Heyman talks a lot, um, and Lesnar extends his hand, and... Basically, I, th- I forgot what exactly he said. Heyman was talking to him about how he'd like to shake his hand for having a good victory because at WrestleMania, he's going to make him his bitch. And then as soon as that happens, Lesnar gets him in the F5 uh, and knocks him to the ground, and then Lesnar and Heyman depart. And, you know, we watch Goldberg look like he's having part of a stroke, which he probably was. Um, but... Pretty good segment building up for WrestleMania. I, oh God, I, I swear, if they have fucking Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar again, I'm going to lose faith in the WWE a little bit. Um, I would rather – I like Brock as an in-ring performer, and if, if, if he has title, I'm assuming – I'm assuming, people, he's not going to be a quote-unquote part-time wrestler that'll do it for a period of time, give the title when he's ready, and then go back to whatever the fuck he's doing. But I like – I like watching him in the ring. I've always liked Brock Lesnar for that reason. Same thing with UFC, even though he just punched people a lot. It doesn't matter. Uh, actually, it's a lot, a little uh, more on his feet, if I would say, in wrestling. Um, but that's another story for another day. Either way, I like seeing Goldberg get hurt, um, just like when he hit the door with his head. So I guess that was good. You know, I'm going to crack open this beer and drink it. Chris, you talk. <laughs> um, man, where do I start? So Paul Heyman, still a great promo. Comes out, gets his promo, just like you said. They build this whole thing up. Brock Lesnar calls him a bitch, or Paul Heyman calls him a bitch. He catches the F five. I'm pretty sure it's the first move that Goldberg's taken, and he actually took it pretty well. It looked okay. He took a decent bump off of it. Um, he sold, I don't think he sold as hard as he should have, to be honest. Um, but that's, that's more ring psychology than anything else. It it was fine. Yeah. The only thing that really bothered me is there was a CM Punk chant that broke out while Goldberg was in the ring. And then he, um, he's like, yeah, I like that guy. And then he's like, I got something I gotta say. Like he was about to tell you, tell us something important. And then Paul Heyman came out. So it's like, Either he was about to say something that was off script and Vince or someone sent Paul Heyman out right then and there, or I'm not sure because the whole Paul Heyman, the whole CM Punk thing that happened with the rock recently really pissed off Vince. And uh, it seemed like they definitely cut Goldberg off in mid promo to make sure that he didn't do something stupid or say something that they 
would get them in some trouble with the lawsuit deal that they're dealing with, which is not really a WWE lawsuit, but it's backed by like the lawyers on the doctor side is about backed by WWE. So it's kind of a weird scenario. So that was one thing I just wanted to make note of because it was just strange. It, it seemed like the, you know, Paul Heyman cutting him off in the promo makes sense, but it's like, you could tell that Goldberg had to work out what was happening and he kind of stood there for a second, like dumbfounded. He was like, "This is supposed to happen like ten lines from now, or whatever," because he's, you know, he's getting fed lines. But that's, you know, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I hated it. I, I don't, I don't even like. I never even liked Brock Lesnar that much. Like, I appreciate him. I think he's a monster, as far as like an athlete goes. But like, as far as his matches go, the only good match I can really think of with Brock Lesnar is him and Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle's just a great wrestler. So it's. Yeah, I don't really, yeah. I don't really care less about Brock Lesnar or Goldberg. I get why they put him there because they're both big names, and a lot of other people really like them. But uh, it just does it does nothing for me, I guess. And I kind of just expect Lesnar to beat Goldberg in like a minute, or under the time that Goldberg beat Lesnar, so that they can put that over as like he's the man that beat the shit out of Goldberg in less time than Goldberg beat him or something. Because I really don't see that match going more than two minutes tops, maybe with entrances. Maybe they'll surprise me and they'll actually work a match. But even like back in the day, like even a Goldberg squash match, like the longest one I think I've ever seen is like five, six minutes in WCW without like NWO getting involved in some crazy manner and him just selling like tasers or something. Well, the, the question is with uh, Lesnar um, specifically, you know, Paul Heyman's been doing all the talking for him. And, you know, he kind of has always done that to an extent. But do you think that Brock's ever going to fucking talk at all? Like, make, like, a maybe a comment towards Goldberg to, like, add some levity to it, I guess? I don't even know what the fuck I'm really asking you. Uh, I mean, he will in the vignettes. They always do that with Brock in vignettes. That's the only time he talks where he's like, that's what I do. I beat people up. You know, like... So they'll do that where it's like not actually in the middle of the ring promoing where it's like a video session yeah. where Brock maybe reads some lines or something. They'll do that. And then they'll just hack together the best looking stuff and edit it into a, a package like they did when he uh, fought the undertaker, you know, so <laughs> he'll get them off. Of, <laughs> he'll get some words in, but it's not going to be as much as I think you would want. I'd like to see Lesnar versus Kurt Angle in the future. I wonder, honestly, if they're building for that to get the title to Kurt Angle. Um, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, they were talking about doing it as a manager, but now he's saying that he wants to actually wrestle. Um, so who knows what will be in the future? Uh, maybe that could be their ending game. That's just, you know, something off the top of my head. Thought of it. <laughs> Anyways, Raw Tag Team Champion match. The club... Defeated Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Um, yeah, basically Cesaro and Sheamus wandered down to ringside in the middle of the match. Enzo celebrated a dive and spilled Cesaro's coffee, causing Cesaro to chase Enzo into the ring. And uh, I think he accidentally, yeah, he accidentally clotheslined one of the guys, uh, either Carl or Anderson. And the club won by disqualification. And then all three of them would beat the crap out of each other afterwards. Um yeah, it was interesting. How, how did you feel? 
there. (laughs) 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 Who won the match? Anderson and Gallows won the match via DQ, right? Yep. So the two baby faces fucked themselves out of getting the title off the heels. So they had the easiest escape. Easiest escape plan ever. At this rate, Anderson and Gallows are going to be tag team champions for, for fucking ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't even have to win. The other team is going to screw up bad enough for, for them to win. So it's just kind of, it's ridiculous. Like I said, I hate it because it's just building towards a three-way title match at WrestleMania, which is, I don't know. Anderson and Gallows are too good for that shit. I kind of wish that they were just wrestling the New Day. And I'm not like a huge New Day mark or anything, but... Like, at least they can wrestle a tag team match consistently. And Cesaro and Sheamus can too, but I don't think they're believable as a tag team because you saw Sheamus as a singles wrestler for so long. And I don't know that it's really clicking with people the way that they're trying to get it to click. And in all honesty, you need a couple more just bad guy tag teams to throw in there. Like, the other tag team is the Shining Stars, and they're just getting buried by uh, New Day, so it's... And it just brings the question, like, are you going to turn Sheamus and Cesaro heel? Because that could work. Sheamus goes to the dark side. But otherwise, you just have two babyface teams against your only bad guy team for the titles. And you kind of have to have Anderson and Gallows retain, I would think. But I don't know. I don't like it. Like I said, eh. I did like that they showed a Rick Rude package after this where he said he was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame because it's about fucking, fucking time. Fucking finally. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that for a second. What, you want to talk to, about how these... You know, these, you want, these stupid Cincinnati... I, for, I forgot what he would say in his little thing, spiel, but Rick Rude is probably in his top five greatest heels of all time. Great wrestler... Fucking had some amazing matches with Jake Snake Roberts and the Ultimate Warrior, where he just basically helped out the Ultimate Warrior a lot, um, and many other wrestlers back in the day, uh, late '80s, early '90s. He would go off after he retired from an injury to manage DX at the start of it, and also NWO. I think the only person that has that credit, and he was just a badass man, um, complete dickhead when when it came to his gimmick, uh, because he would basically come to the audience, insult the crowd and tell all the men to shut up and let the you know let their women see what a real man looks like and then disrobe and strut and move his penis in the air a lot but uh he was actually a pretty pretty damn good in-ring worker and unfortunately passed away and it's taken him way fucking too long to get him in the Hall of Fame I agree the only thing the only reason I could you could make a a debate about it is that his wrestling career was pretty short as far as being at the top, I think it was like seven years between, you know, WCW and WWF. So that's your one debate. But uh, all these fucking dirty sweat hogs need to listen up. <laughs> yeah. I've been yelling it for years. <laughs> so I agree that's 100%. It's about damn time. As soon as I saw it, it was like two minutes later I had that posted on Geek Buy. It's like, <laughs> it's about fucking time. God, what are they yeah. doing? But it, I don't know. know. Do you think? Do you think that they're 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 inducting certain people that did really well for them, especially like their their stuff? Uh, well, basically, I'm trying to compare. Like, should Edge be in the Hall of Fame before Rick Rude? 
I mean, yes, because he spent a long time on top in WWF. He did a lot for him, and he was there for, like, almost 15 or 20 years. They're not doing it yeah, based it, on, like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the WWF Hall of Fame, not necessarily the wrestling Hall of Fame. So, you know, that being said, they're so wishy-washy with that shit. Who who knows? You know, at that point, why feel, would Terry How do you Funk feel about – some other people. No, that's a good point. How do you feel about, you know, with Ida Koloff and Vader? Uh, I don't think they're going to make it in this year. Uh, do you think that could have been added? Well, we still have we still have a couple weeks, right? So I, I would yeah. hope that they put Vader in just because he's openly came out and said that he doesn't have that much time left. And it would be nice to actually see Leon get his ring and get inducted. You know what I mean? Um, like Absolutely. Vader, Vader, even more so than Rick Rude deserves to be in the hall of fame as much as I love Rick Rude. But if you look at Vader's career, especially considering he carried WCW as their main hill in the early nineties before Bischoff took over, and his work in New Japan with Stan Hansen. I mean, debatably, he should be in there before Rude. But like I said, that stuff's so weird because he didn't really have a big run in WWF. And also, I'm not sure. Maybe people just don't, you know, like, I don't know how much influence Sean still has on Vince. I know he really, him and uh, Vader don't really like each other because Vader is kind of a softy um, as a person and, and, Sean really lit into him a couple times, like calling him a big fat dumbass and like in the ring working with him and shit, like in the middle of a match. So that could have something to do with it. But either way, the man deserves to be in. Um, Ivan Koloff's similar, I guess. I would I would say that Vader was a bigger draw than Ivan, and Rick Reed was also yeah. a bigger draw. <laughs> but Ivan is a, you know, like I can't really. I, I, it's weird he wasn't that he had this part because he beat Bruno, you know? So it's kind of a weird situation in which we, he, I don't understand. Maybe there's some long-lasting... But once again, all this comes down to who Vince wants to put in this thing. And also, if they're not a draw, he's not going to waste time conducting them. That's a good point. So uh, It took him a long fucking time to get the Freebirds in there. Well, there's there's quite a few names that are definitely, rightfully so, should be in the Hall of Fame uh, this year. But just wondering, I, I also wonder if they shouldn't just, uh, if it's unfortunate and a situation happens throughout a year, like a death or a situation with Vader, that should not, like if they already have this planned and that's what they're going to do, they're not going to do something based on something like that happening. Um, I can understand that, I guess, to an extent, uh, if that's the case. But let's go to the next match. Uh, Kira Tozawa defeated Arya Davari. Look, the match doesn't really matter. Tozawa did a really sweet fucking German suplex. Afterwards, though, Tozawa got on the microphone and called out the Brian Kendrick. Uh, Kendrick came out and said he would give him what he asked for on Tuesday on 205 Live, which I watched the match, and it was actually a pretty fucking good match, and he beat Brian Kendrick. Um, so how did you like this one, Chris? Dude, I love Akira Kazawa. He's awesome. That bridging German suplex looks so simple, but it looks fucking awesome. That Japanese style of wrestling really comes through when he hits that suplex. It's, 
it's nice. And uh, I like that dudes are selling his moves so well. Like, Thar, that guy hasn't – I don't think that that guy has won a match that I've watched, but he's, like, been doing his best as a heel to get the faces over. So yeah. he needs a little bit of credit. Like, I, I hope eventually he gets to the point where maybe they give him some wins or something because – He's a good wrestler. He's he's, he was good in the cruiserweight tournament, and you know it's uh, it's it's cool, man. I I really like you know Kendrick is your secondary heel right now, and they got to build up. I I really wish they would turn TJ Perkins because I think his gimmick just works a little better as a shitty cocky bad guy than it does a uh, a face. I mean, I know he's they can't put him in the suicide costume, right? They should. Fuck, dress them up like they can. Why not? I don't think they can. I think TNA owns that yeah. gimmick. So, no, or ho- is it homicide now? Is that what they call it? No, homicide isn't homicide like the uh, the the guy that's like he's kind of like Conan in TNA. I don't remember. I know suicide. I, he's the one with the red and white skull costume. That's like head to toe. There's like four different people, and TJ was one of the main guys. I think he did the longest or first or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I just get them all confused because it's like Akira or not Akira. Wow, uh, Homicide, Suicide, <laughs> Curry, Curry, and they were all at the top of that X division for like a really long time. So it's it's kind of one of those weird scenarios where it's like a, I don't, and you have to kind of judge them based on their costumes, too. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I don't remember. It was a long time ago since I watched that. I think that was like 2005, 2006 TNA. So, I could be wrong. That was a long, long fucking time ago. Um, but, uh, all right, so next one, New Day, defeated the Shine Stars. By the way, since they didn't have a match one that they did this the night before, I thought they were doing the same shtick, but, like, trying to do something different. I had no idea that they were going to get the Shining Stars until they announced them and the fucking camera pan, and it's like, oh, they're actually going in a match this time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they get some popsicles. Once again, Big E kind of looked like he was rolling on, on uh, you know, drinking some syrup or whatever they said the night before. Uh, he looked like he was rolling. <laughs> He's licking everything. It's weird. Uh, but I don't really care. I don't have much to say about this, or I don't even want to put that much time into it. So how, how did you how did you like this? <laughs> I just liked where Big E got the pin and just, like, grinded on, I think it was Primo, like, in the pin while doing the lick gimmick was pretty funny. But, like, I yeah, I don't care about the ice cream thing. <laughs> but Big E is consistently <laughs> hilarious to me. For such a big guy to, like, move like that, it, it's just it's just hilarious still. I mean, he was doing like a full Rick, speaking of Rick Rude, like gyrating in the middle of his pin. <laughs> so if you watch that match for any reason whatsoever, if you haven't seen Raw and you want to go back and watch just that one segment, I think it's like the last five seconds of that match. It's worth seeing. I also like their fin. I like New Day's finisher. At least it's something different. Yeah. Um, uh, and was it called the Midnight Train? It's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool move. Like a you know a lifting DDT off the top rope. Kofi makes it look really good too. So other than that, yeah, no, I'm kind of on the same page with you. I'm tired of hearing about ice cream. <laughs> uh, it worked once with Bootyo, but like stars. 
it's not working this time. It doesn't have the same. I don't know. Uh, we I don't really care. I'm sure it's gonna sell a lot. It's just all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Okay, the thing about the new day that I find weird is they're mixing kids concepts like unicorns and fucking all that type of shit. Then they're gyrating, which is fine. I'm not like some old person or anything like that, but it's it's a weird combination. I don't I don't I don't I've never understood their gimmick fully, basically. So, uh, but they're fun. They're entertaining, I guess. Let's go on to the next thing. All right. Um, Mick Foley was in the ring, and she, he welcomed Bailey, and she wasn't happy because of what happened at, at Fast Lane, um, because she didn't feel fully feel like you know she won anything. So can I cut you off for a second? Sure. How the fuck can you not be happy that you're still champion, no matter how it happens? Well, Bailey's <laughs> that good. Okay. <laughs> She's, she's like the fucking Goku. Honest. <laughs> she's the Goku of the <laughs> WWE. She's I'm surprised she didn't scratch her head. She's, not big of a... <laughs> she's no, she's more like a Superman because she's a Boy Scout. She's like she's got to be so fucking honest that she can't win the title, even though someone helped you out a little bit. Either way, Sasha Banks um, came out and she was like, "You shouldn't feel bad about this." And Charlotte Flair came out with her blonde thing animal. I don't know really what the fuck it is. Um, and basically Charlotte claimed there was a conspiracy. So then McMahon came to the ring and basically told Foley to fuck off. Once again, showing that Foley is a sniveling dog compared to Stephanie. When do you think... Well, hold on. Off the topic for a second. When when do you think they're, 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 they're going to put in where Foley finally says fuck this and goes off on Stephanie? Do you think that's going to happen in WrestleMania? Um... Possibly. Maybe he pulls the fucking sock out of his pants and gives her socko. She tries to interfere in the main, or she tries to interfere in Triple H's match to help him beat Seth, and uh, Mick comes down and puts the sock in her mouth. Who knows? That would be the best way to get out of this, because uh, from all all the sources I've heard, with Kurt Angle possibly showing up, they're wanting to put him in that role, anyways. And Mick's wanting to take time off to be with his family, which I think is fine. He doesn't owe anyone anything. Yeah. And he's also like the nicest no, guy ever. So. No, I completely agree with you on that. Um, and I, I, I could see them doing something into which it's actually a cut scene or something, basically like leading up to Kurt Angle coming in, basically. But, excuse me, sorry. Stephanie says something in the direction of Mick Foley, and finally Mick snaps and basically calls her – I forgot what Chris Jericho used to call it. It was like a, a bottom-feeding, trash-bag-eating, stupid blah-blah-blah-blah-blah, dirty-ass hoe or something like that. Just says the whole entire thing, maybe maybe that will be, you're fired or whatever. And he's like, good, screw you, I don't even care. And he, he walks out, and Kurt Angle's positioned for the job Monday. I have no idea. That's just me. I always try to book on the show. And sometimes when I'm saying it, it doesn't sound as good as when I was thinking it. So I just say it anyways. And Chris accepts me because he's a nice guy. We should <laughs> all be nice guys. You uh, know, the so one anyways, thing so, is like, one other thing on that before we move off with the Stephanie and Mick thing is WWE thinks that you literally watch every thing, every documentary that comes out but they don't give a shit about their own matches. Like they don't care about the match buildup so much. 
but they expect you to know that like Mick Foley is really good friends with Bailey and Sasha outside of the ring. And they like, you know, those two and Becky helped train his daughter in wrestling. And they just expect you to just know all this shit, which unless you're like me and you actually try to keep up with it, no one knows. Like he does, like Stephanie literally says, I know your two favorite daughters. Like, why are they his two favorite daughters? Like, they don't explain it. They just expect you to know from WWE programming that that's a thing, but it's never presented on the actual fucking wrestling show. So <laughs> it's kind of silly. But I just I had to get that you. off my chest. I think they're, they're trying to get them hooked, basically. You know, they're trying to get them to, like, consume every fucking thing. So... And I'm sure it works. I, I guess it all goes back to like, what am I missing out on the network with? You know, like, why should I buy this? Oh shit! There's there's history here. It's a very like weird uh, reality TV mentality that they've kind of like uh, started embracing. Uh, you know, lately with all the shows and shit like that. That like people just want details. They want random fucking information to like consume. So instead of, like, me and you that, like, lived through it or, you know, watched it or whatnot or read about it until we were able to finally watch videos when they got those things on YouTubes and shit, uh, because it's very hard to find a video of Bruno San Martino fighting anyone until fucking shit that was available. Um, so you would hear stuff from people, and that was your way. Now people want to fucking just, if they're into wrestling, they're, it's, it's, it's very strange. Um, I don't know if it's yeah, a millennial I mean, I rant. The, the the thing the well I mean, you know video we did tape trading like when I was a kid you tape, yeah. tape traded with well you got shit that you couldn't get and that's how you saw you know Stan Hansen versus Vader in New Japan so I mean no, I never did that with but, me. but the uh, the other thing would be I mean show that on Raw like show clips of those things things that build into the yeah. storyline don't show like here's the trailer for the next Holy Foley like show like an important <laughs> from the show that builds into your storyline don't just expect that people fucking know what you're talking about and also Stephanie should have buried him because there was interference in the heavyweight match which she bitched about before the show happened at Fastlane and then there was interference in the women's title match which she said there better not be any interference during so she had every right to send Nick down the creek because he didn't do a good job as a general manager that being said, watching Steph just bury people, like, not bury in a sense of, like, ruin their career, but just on the mic verbally abuse them and yell at them, it's the whole reason this corporate gimmick doesn't work anymore. Like, it worked with Vince McMahon because Stone Cold stood up to her, and eventually you knew, like, he was getting to do what everyone wants to do, which is tell their boss to go fuck themselves. And it worked yep. because you were living through Stone Cold's eyes, not through... Becky's, or not Becky, but you know, uh, Bailey's eyes, in which she's just getting sent down the creek for something, like telling her, you know, your best friend's garbage, and you guys are trash, and Nick Foley's terrible at his job, and it's like, you know, if people wanted to see that shit, they would just go back to work. The whole, the whole idea, that whole concept is that someone stands up to them, and then that person gets their, the boss gets their comeuppance. Like, they get hosed down with beer. It worked one time with Stone Cold, but every time that anyone else has ever tried to do this in the past, since Stone Cold left, it's been awful. So they either need to can it or at least try to build a Stone Cold character or someone that will at least stand up for themselves against the boss. And then, like, Stephanie, like you said, where's the payoff with this? Mick's just going to go 
on down the road at some point, or is he actually going to shove a sock down her throat? You know, like if that's the payoff, then okay, cool. At least you get to see Mick start to stand up for himself. And right now, like you said, like a, like a whimpering dog in the ring, which is just, no one wants to watch that. People love Mick Foley. They don't want to see him get shit on. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I, I completely agree. There, there's a, uh... Different stuff that you can do with Foley that's not like they've done. And I, I, I guess that he agreed to it, so it's it's really whatever. But, yeah, um, this all led to a nice little match between Sasha Banks and Bailey, in which Sasha defeated Bailey because what was presumed is that Mick and, and Stephanie went back and forth, and they came to the conclusion that if it was going to be a three-way match with Charlotte, Bailey and Sasha. Sasha would have to beat Bailey that night, non-title, and she was able to do that uh, using the bank statement. It was actually pretty cool with how she used the bank statement because at one point uh, she was doing it. Um, Dana Brooke came up, was trying to distract the referee, and then Charlotte was going to do something to Sasha, and she came up and smacked off of her and knocked the two of them back in the middle of the ring, readjusted the bank statement, and then made her tap out. Um, I Bailey actually was, was really good in this match. Maybe she works better with Sasha. I have no idea. But her selling was really good, especially with the bank statement uh, second time. Fine match, you know. And uh, how, how, did, how did you feel about it, Chris? The match was fine. Like I said, I, I feel like Charlotte should be champion right now from when we were talking about Fastlane earlier. Um, losing that streak hurts. I feel like you, it would have made it bigger if Bailey would have never won the title. And then if you're going to break it, break the streak, why would you not just have Bailey win it clean at WrestleMania? But uh, obviously they don't have that faith in, in Bailey yet, would be my guess. So, you know, for the match, it was a good match. It was, it was, it was, I like the bait. Like I said, I like the finishing sequence, like you said. It made sense that Charlotte would try to go fuck with her match because she's a heel and it's easier to beat someone one-on-one in theory than it is a three-way match. Even though if you're not the champion, it's actually easier so it's kind of, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that logic worked out, but in, in theory, yeah. you don't have the champ, so it would be easier if you're not the champ and harder if you are the champ. So I don't know if she was trying to make it harder on, you know, it, it came off like the way they sold it was that Charlotte's doing this so that she can just beat Bailey one on one because she knows she can beat Bailey one on one, which they've just proven over and over and over again by having Sasha have to interfere in the matches. So I guess that's where they're going with it. So, Yeah, exactly. And somehow it's going to come out to be the four of them fighting for the title. Whatever. Um, next part of Rob, we got to, we got to start shuffling actually. Shit, we got 30 minutes. We've, we've been talking a lot, which I'm very happy about. I love talking about wrestling, even when it's, you know, subpar which it's been better lately, but this week was, you know, a week for us, if you will. Between the pay-per-view and these two, it was kind of like, eh. But we'll keep on going anyways, because the WWE showed a video of Seth Rollins' rehab, and then Triple H joined the commentary team via satellite. Triple H called Rollins a liar and warned that if he showed up to WrestleMania, it will be the last thing he does in WWE. How'd you like it, Chris? <laughs> I think it's fine that they're wow. selling it this way because now if Rollins isn't ready, they can just have Triple H hit him in the knee with a sledgehammer. 
Yeah. As opposed to him having a match. So I think it's kind of an out. And then also, like, a few weeks ago, like I said, they should have been showing, like, the entire Rollins rehab. Instead of having him come to the ring and, like, cry and snivel and that thing he did last week, which was, like, what the Yeah. If it wasn't for Triple H coming out and saving that promo, that shit was going down the tube fast. Um, I don't know, man. But, like, yeah. seriously, my leg hurts, and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to bring in the ring, bro, but shit. Yeah, it was, it was pretty <laughs> awful. It was, I mean, it, it's better to show, like, his work ethic. Give people a reason yeah. to want to see him back. Like, look what he's doing. This is crazy. Like, show his open leg on the surgery table and then show him the next day, like, popping squats or something. So I did like they actually showed him in rehab. But it was funny that Triple H, like, Im- immediately, like, as a heel should do, was like, if it wasn't for WWE's great facilities. <laughs> like, talking about... He's got top the greatest facilities. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's fine. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Samoa Joe defeated Chris Jericho. Uh, pretty damn good match back and forth. Um, Joe applied the Kaluna clutch on the floor, then rolled back in the ring to get the countout victory, which I thought was all right, he, he's like, I guess he'll do whatever. That's the thing. It's like, I, I thought the match was good, but I hate, I, I don't like, I, I maybe I'm old school. I don't like ending with a uh, count-up victory or a fucking roll-up unless there's reason to do it. Um, but then Jericho hit a co-breaker on uh, Joe after the match, snuck back in the ring. Well, no, no, he didn't sneak back in the ring. I guess Samojo was going to do more shit to him, and then he hit him with the uh, code-breaker. So, Chris, uh, did you like the match? Well, it was okay. Jericho looked good, yeah. and Joe came out looking pretty good. So it, I, you know, they they had to have a bullshit finish because they don't want Joe to lose a match right now. It doesn't make sense for Samoa Joe to lose a match, is if if he's the destroyer. So having Chris Jericho get like a real quick code breaker in on him, and uh, you know that kind of blows that off. But it also gives you an out if you don't want Chris Jericho to win at WrestleMania especially with the way that they seem like they're building this little relationship between Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe and Triple H. So I understand why they did it. I, I also agree with you. I'm not huge on it, but, you know, it's uh, it's WWE, so they do that shit a lot. So I guess I'm just numb to it. I'm just used to every finish being kind of, like, fucked up. <laughs> it's not ever going to be, like, super clean. Like, how many clean finishes were there on this entire show? Uh, I have no idea. Probably not a new new day. A new day one clean. New, new day one clean. I mean, I get Sasha one clean, but it was with fucky shit like happening outside of the ring. So you get what I'm saying? Like it's you know, when you actually go back and look at these shows and you start thinking about that from what you were saying, you're gonna be really pissed. <laughs> Kevin point. Owens one clean as shit. <laughs> He smashed the fuck out of poor Sammy Zane. <laughs> so, poor Sammy. Hey, question, question about Sammy Zane. Do you notice uh, that it seems like people for Sammy Zane's um, when when they're out, they always go ole 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 ole. Do they realize that he is an Israeli Canadian and he's not Irish at all? Like, I don't. What, why are they doing that? El Generico, man. Ole. Oh, is that the reason why? Oh, 
Okay, that makes a lot more sense. See, I don't know a lot. I know that he was a persona called El Generico in Ring of Honor, but I've, I don't. I haven't seen a lot of him. So that makes. Thanks for clearing that up with me. Appreciate that. And then also the fact that he has like a ska song, which I guess people just assume that every person that listens to ska or punk rock music is Irish, apparently. So. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's that, that's a that's a good point too. And people, I didn't think people were that educated with Sami Zayn. I guess I underestimated them. But um, we had a wonderful return of a guy. Oh shit! I was trying to do this all nonchalant. We had a return tonight of the Undertaker. Um, you know your normal type of Undertaker build-up. We all knew this was coming, or at least people that knew the uh, mystery card that was released a long time ago. Uh, but Braun Strowman came to the ring and called out Roman Reigns. But instead of Roman Reigns, the Undertaker came out. Strowman took his leave, and, which was actually kind of cool. Like I understand, it's kind of dumb to build Strowman to be Strowman to be wow, Strowman to be this badass. But it is the Undertaker, so whatever. So then Roman Reigns' music hits after Strowman leaves, and he comes to the ring. Reigns said, with all due respect, that this is his yard now, because he's always saying that fucking stupid shit. Undertaker looked at the WrestleMania sign and then chokeslammed Roman Reigns. He walked away as a show went off the air. Pretty cool ending, I guess. It's building towards this match. It's going to happen to two of them. I can't see this match, honestly. And look, I think Undertaker is an unbelievable performer. Don't get me wrong. I mean, what he was able to do at his age, oh my God, almost 10 years ago. No, it's, it can't be. It, it, it's less than that. The, the one that he with Shawn Michaels for his age was pretty fucking incredible. Uh, especially doing the, you know, the, the sent on bomb basically that he does. Debian's dive over the fucking ropes, hitting the guy. He's always been a good in-ring performer, especially for his size, but he's older. At this point, Roman Reigns is going to have to carry him the whole entire fucking match. And just like Chris has alluded to beforehand, he's probably going to have to bury him because I, I'm assuming we're going to have Reigns now turn into a heel from this. If not, what was the point? Um, but how do you feel about this ending segment, Chris? Well, I didn't like it from the standpoint that Strowman had to back down. Um yeah. So, you know, if they would have like built up like maybe some like uh some of what Undertaker has done recently, like, you know, which I know they don't want to give the way that Undertaker's on the show, but uh like in the past weeks, you know, the the idea is it's supposed to be fresh in your mind that, you know, him and Kane beat the Wyatt family. So Strowman would have a reason to respect the Undertaker. Because they were beating them in, in tag matches and stuff. Like, you know, they kidnapped The Undertaker, and, and you had the Taker, the Brothers of Destruction versus the Wyatt family. This is about a year and a half ago. So I'm assuming that they thought, yeah. this is okay, because people will remember that, you know, Strowman knows he's wrestled The Undertaker, so he has a respect for him or something. But it just kind of came off as, like, that's not how you've built Strowman's character. So if you just put someone random in the ring, he should be trying to rip their heads off. So that was weird. Unless Strowman's like, I'm just going to wait and beat up Roman Reigns after the fact or something. I, I don't know. So I didn't really like that, but it, it's the only thing they could do because 
they have to get on with this program because they have, what, 25 days to WrestleMania as of this podcast, I believe. Pretty much. Which is yep. two weeks on Raw. So it made sense. Um, I do wish that, like, you know, I love the chokeslam. I kind of wish you would have picked him up and gave him a tombstone, like, directly after. Just, like, one yeah. extra thing. Because it is Roman Reigns. Like, a choke, like how many times has Roman Reigns been chokeslammed? Like, at least a gazillion chokeslams. <laughs> so, not getting point. it done. I mean... <laughs> have someone give him a tombstone. So, and then, you know, Undertaker could have rolled his eyes back and did the throat choke. But he, or the, the, he cut the throat, but it was fine. I mean, you know, everyone popped for Taker. He got the biggest pop of the night. I think the second biggest pop of the night was probably fuck for Jericho. Goldberg kind of got, like, booed and cheered, which was weird. Not to, like, a point where it was super noticeable, but people weren't. I mean, it is Chicago, so it's a little different. But from a fan's perspective, it's good that Undertaker is still getting that reaction going to be bad at Wrestlemania when he loses if you don't turn Roman Reigns heel. They better. <laughs> they fucking better. That, that's going to be really stupid if they don't. Ugh, all right, it's well, just going to make a lot of through. people. Yeah, exactly. Hey. All right, we're going to fly through SmackDown, which sucks. I might, I might start doing SmackDown before Raw because SmackDown usually – some reason hits it a little bit more with Raw. Well, there's there's different things from both of them. What I'm trying to say is that they both can suck sometimes. Anyways, uh, let's go to the beginning of this. Uh, Show opened with Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon coming to the ring. Bryan said he believes Randy Orton basically should get his WrestleMania shot. Shane thinks the opposite. He thinks it should go to AJ Styles, which, by the way, I'm just going to say, the storyline you're building, why the fuck would you do that and have it the opposite? Whatever. Keep on going. They recapped the whole entire situation and said it will all all right, will be all settled on the line tonight on SmackDown between Styles and Orton. Um, I guess yeah. Do you want to? What? What? How do you like this opening? Why the Why the fuck does Styles have to try to win his number one contendership ship when he already won his number one contendership and he is the former champion? No, Cena had no the belt going. No fucking clue. But still, like he just, he just, you just book a three-way. Like so, they're definitely building towards like, yo, Styles is getting fucked over. Like clearly, they've been doing it for a couple weeks. So at least they're keeping it consistent, you know, which is fine. I don't think I'm sold to where it's going because we know what the pre-card was, but different. It, it was, it was okay. Well, you know what's better than that. Chris? What's that, Dane? Thank you. All right, cool. James Ellsworth and Carmella lost, weird, to John Cena and Nikki fucking Bella. All right, so before the match, Ellsworth came out, cut a promo on Cena, which was ridiculous, and introduced Carmella. Cena and Bella... Uh, forced their opponents to tap with the... Yeah, basically, they, they they did the same, you know, moves. It was really cute. And then they kissed afterwards. And after the match, Miz and Maurice attacked the fuck out of them. Uh, Miz got on the microphone and ran down Cena and Bella. Maurice joined in. Then she and Miz kissed and left. It was very, very nice and romantic. Did you enjoy this? I enjoyed Miz's promo. Match was fine. Me too. Miz yeah. cut 
a good promo. Just like I, you know, when they let Miz be Miz, it works. So he's actually, his stock to me has went up since he went over to SmackDown. So I hope this is building towards him getting to do something more, maybe go for the actual title because, um, oh, he's the best deal they have. And uh, him running down Cena, he didn't say anything that wasn't true. Like, he was able to use all of that reality TV show bullshit against them and, like, bury them in a sense, which was kind of great. The contract thing, John Cena having to – he had Nikki sign a contract before she moved into his house and, like, all this crazy John Cena shit that you don't hear about. I'm glad he brought it all up. He, like, he definitely ran John Cena down. So we get to see Cena come back next with a strong promo, which will be good because Cena can cut a good promo when he's in a good program. Um, that match at Mania is going to suck. <laughs> but at least the Miz is a heel. <laughs> and we know that John Cena's the good guy, so that's a plus. Well, the thing is, it's like if you're going to have a fucking match, so we have a good match, why don't you have it just between the two of them? I hate to say it's how the women come out and just be managers. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. It's the, the, the weak link is Maurice. She's not much of a wrestler. And I don't even want to see Nikki in this match. If you have it between one of the ult- one of the biggest baby faces, even if people don't like them, versus one of the biggest heels, it's going to be a fun fucking match back and forth. You know, Miz is not the greatest in ring performer, but it would be a hell of a lot more suitable with that aspect than this mixed gender tag team bullshit that will probably last less than 15 minutes. But what the fuck ever. Let's keep on going. Well, the, the, right, so, the other thing is like what were you gonna say? One, one, other, one other thing is like uh, it's not an intergender match. So you get that weird stipulation where the males have to tag in the females, which just drags the match down. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, whatever. Either way, it's just kind of annoying. But um, Kurt Hawkins uh, was in the ring, and he called out Dean Ambrose because previous week, if you guys didn't realize, uh, he basically bitched his ass out by coming down there, putting him in a dirty deeds, knocking his ass out, and then going and calling out Baron Corbett which is exactly the same thing that he did, sort of, but he clotheslined them. Um, and then uh, got in the ring, called out Baron Corbin. Corbin was on the screen, was in the back somewhere. Of course, Dean being the smart guy that he is, he went back there looking for him, got completely ambushed. They went back and forth. Dean then got uh, fucking, what the hell's it called, a forklift down on his chest, uh, it looked like he got pretty damn close. I, I, I'm very surprised that WWE cleared this concept uh, because they could have done something stupid on accident, you know. But they pulled it off. It looked pretty damn devastating and just building towards this Kurt Hawkins versus Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title that they're probably having as one of the unnamed matches at WrestleMania that we don't know about. That's what I'm assuming. How do you feel about that, course? It's fine. I like Baron Corbin. Um, I feel like uh, Dean Ambrose is his stock's fallen a little bit since he came to SmackDown, but it it still worked. The, as far as the forklift spot, they probably measured beforehand, so it was going to stop in that same spot every time. Would be my guess. But yeah, it was it was yeah. it was okay. I liked it. Don't look behind the curtain. I'll tell you. <laughs> I love how he threw the security guard out at him. That was pretty uh, smart of uh, Baron Corbin. Yeah. Um, all right, so we had another thing with Alexa Bliss coming out, 
and she was with, with Mickey James, and they were talking back and forth, just being complete bitches, like normal. Um, so then Becky Lynch comes out. She's, like, saying, hey, I want to fight you. It's a really good sum up, by the way. Anyways, Natalia comes out, and she's, like, randomly in her corner. Xander Brandon makes a match between all of them, and uh, he says he says something on the lines that everyone, every female wrestler in SmackDown will have a chance at a title, which I don't really understand how that works. Even on top of SmackDown, they didn't really make it make sense. So I don't know if they're having like a fucking battle royal or whatever. But um, they had a match, and Alexa Bliss and Mickey James defeated Becky Lynch and Natalia because Natalia just straight up fucking knocked Becky Lynch because it was basically Becky just getting knocked around like a rag doll for most of the match. Natalia gets tagged in, does a little bit, and then knocks Becky out, leaves her in the ring, and then Alexa and Mickey defeat her pretty easily, and then Mickey hits the, the kick on Alexa Bliss, just showing her, hey, don't trust me either. I'm going to whoop your ass. So I would rather just prefer to see Mickey James take on Alexa Bliss than Mickey James wins the title, and maybe have Mickey James resurface her thing with Becky Lynch after WrestleMania. But what do you think is going to happen, Chris? Uh, I think you're going to see a either a tournament for the number one contendership or a match for the number one contendership, maybe a four-way match. Um, yeah, Mickey James is a perfect person to put that title on. I think he can carry it well. They need to change her theme song. That theme song was stupid like 10 years ago, and it's stupid now. She writes her own music. She uses one of her songs, like for Christ's sake. But, um, she probably feels that Mickey's, way. She's like the sweetest person in the world, by the way. So I'm a big Mickey James fan. Uh, so yeah, no, that's uh, I agree. It would be nice. It would be nice just to have a straight, especially since Raw is doing a similar thing with a three-way match. So hopefully this doesn't yeah. end up with a four-way match. But I just, it just seems like they're going to put this belt on Natalia for some reason. She is getting a fuckload of screen time lately. So. Which, you know, she's a, she's a good wrestler, and she's fine. Yeah. She, and, she's and a good heel, too, in. you know. Exactly. And that, 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 that's what I think. You know, Natalia is a pretty good heel. Uh, she's at least collecting heat for messing with the top two baby faces between Nikki and now uh, Becky Lynch. So that's the way they're going. That's the way they're going. I would like to see Mickey James win the title, though, at WrestleMania. Or Becky Lynch. I mean, I guess... Well, Mickey's kind of a heel, but like I don't want to see it on Alexa Bliss afterwards. Maybe Natalia will fool everyone and beat him. Who knows? Last match of the evening, the number one contender match that should never have happened because AJ Styles should just have it. Verse between Randy Orton defeating AJ Styles. This is actually a... They really have good in-ring chemistry for their first match together. Um, there were a couple spots. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk like Bret Hart for a second. Not like him, but I could hear Randy Orton uh, saying, basically setting up the match and calling stuff in the ring very easily because he's very loud about it and the cameras are on him. So uh, maybe if you want to, like, you know, hide that a little bit, Viper. But either way, the match was a lot of fun. And I love that what uh, what Styles did where he faked out Orton on the springboard and he avoided the RKO and then he came back up. And then just the ending of just, like, each move, like, they all, like, nailed all their big signatures and finishers. And you ended with him trying to go for the 450 splash and it not working out and then getting the fucking uh, RKO. Um, 
So basically Orton wins, and he will challenge Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, screwing out AJ Styles for no fucking reason. You could have done a three-way. We would have loved it, even if AJ doesn't win at WrestleMania. But whatever, WWE, don't listen to me. Listen to my friend Chris, who also has to say something about it. I, I agree with the three-way concept, but we knew that this Shane McMahon thing was building. So at least they, the one thing about SmackDown, I will say, is they're good at continuing stories. So you still get the continuation of Bray versus Orton. And you don't necessarily have to put the belt on Orton because you could easily have Bray Wyatt make amends with Luke Harper, which I hope they don't do, but they could possibly do. Um, or Bray so there's, Eric. You know, there's a, yeah, that's also there as well. So they have a little bit of leeway with what they can do in that match. So it's it's fine. Three-way match would have been great. Um but they they really think that Styles and Shane is going to be a big draw. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I don't know that AJ Styles can have a good match with Shane McMahon. But then again, I don't know that anyone can have a good match with Shane McMahon unless you throw a bunch of gimmicks into the match, which is my – I mean, that might be what they do. But it doesn't seem like they have enough time to build it to the point where it really – gives you a reason to have like a uh, like a, a no DQ match or a false count anywhere match or hell in a cell match or something crazy like that. It just there's not enough reason. And then hopefully they don't go to the well again with the hell in the cell. Like Shane's like I lost one but now that I have experience we're in a hell in a cell match. And then <laughs> you just get the same no. spot from last year. Which I hope they're smart enough not to do that, but we'll see. I don't know. No, what do you think? No, sir. About that Shane no, AJ sir. match. <laughs> I mean, I like the match. Like I said, I like I like them going back and forth, and and I like the ending. You know, maybe it's the kid who likes cake and candy in me, but like seeing all those moves right after each other, and then like a couple of them didn't work out, and they got it, and you know they they were throwing everything they had at each other, and finally their last two things that they could think of. They they worked well. It was a good match. I would have loved to see that. And I also like the way that AJ worked with Bray Wyatt at Elimination Chamber, like we're saying. And I like the way Randy Orton works with Bray Wyatt. The three of them at fucking Mania would be awesome. And Shane, I appreciate Shane McMahon. I've said this to you. He takes huge risks. He's not the greatest wrestler, uh, but he's got some fucking big balls on him. He's definitely a better guy in the ring than his father. I'll I'll give him that for sure. I mean, I mean he's not even that like a horrible wrestler. It just it's it's basically have to be AJ making Shane look really good um, the whole entire time, and Shane doing something stupid that he shouldn't be doing at all for his age. Eventually, within something in the match, and I agree with you, the Hell in Cell would be a fucking horrible idea, uh, just because yeah, it didn't work with you for the last one, so don't do it now. But who knows? I'm sure they're going to figure it out. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, we can say at this point, that that card was true. That That is going to be WrestleMania with matches added to it that they didn't have figured out whenever that was leaked or whatever. Um, so that's going to be WrestleMania. You know what? Whatever. I hope that Finn Balor makes his return. I hope they do something well with Samoa Joe. It would be really cool. Someone suggested if they put uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, like Shane was like, well, I'm not going to fight, but here you go. Here's my representative. And Shinsuke fights fucking Shane, or uh, 
AJ Styles, that would be amazing. I don't think they're going to do that, though. Um, they hate me. Yeah, they, they need, they need him Chris. on Raw. Yeah, they really do. They could definitely use him on Raw. Either way, what I'm trying to say is, I don't know. Uh, we'll see you at WrestleMania, and I'll keep on watching stuff. I have to say that this year, though, compared to the year before when I, when I started kind of getting into wrestling again, it's been building up pretty well, and you're hearing wrestling a hell of a lot more mainstream, which is really weird, like friends of mine that don't watch shit. So whatever they're doing, it's catching momentum. It just sometimes they have these periods, I've noticed, that's just like, all right, that's what you guys were, all right, cool. And, yeah, you wonder if, uh, you know, Eugene's back there writing the shit. Uh, but, Chris, it's been a fun show, man, and uh, we, we uh, went over everything. We talked a little bit. You know, we didn't, have, you know, get to see our host, uh, or not our host, our, our guest. Um, I mean, you are the host, but whatever. Um, but it was a good show overall. Uh, do you have any closing statements you want to say? Maybe a goodbye, all that nice jazz? Uh, just goodbye, everyone. Keep watching wrestling, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, that's a good ending. That's good, just like straightforward, like, you, you know, this is the shit uh, ending. And uh, I, I don't have that for you. That's why I'm rambling on for no reason. But uh, thanks, guys, everyone, for listening in. Listen every week at Wednesday. We'll have this from 8 to 10, sometimes from 7 to 9, based on our fucking what we got to do uh, to accommodate. But, um, yeah, thank you guys over at Geek Vibe Nation. This is Wrestling Geek Alliance, and you guys have a great night. Peace out, Chris. Peace out, guys. Have a good one. See you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.